For those who are visiting with us today, uh, or others who have maybe missed uh, a few of the series, we're going through a sermon series uh, through the book of Nehemiah. Just to summarize a little bit about Nehemiah, Nehemiah is a a gifted leader, and he equipped and empowered and encouraged the Jewish people to seek God's emerging future. He empowered them and equipped them to discern and to seek God's will for the people. So the beginning of the book of Nehemiah focuses on God desiring the walls and the gates to be rebuilt in the city of Jerusalem. And he put Nehemiah in charge. He put it on Nehemiah's heart to lead the people in this journey. And there were several months of praying and listening. And the people then began the work and completed the work in in 52 days. They completed the work, but not without opposition. And there was outside opposition and enemies that were hassling them from the outside. And there was inside opposition. Sometimes the people themselves are their own worst enemy, preventing God's will from being done. And as we continue in the book of Nehemiah, we have seen tremendous growth and change in the city of Jerusalem. But more importantly, in the lives of the Jewish people. The city walls and the gates were restored. And as this came to a close, the people were led into a spiritual revival of reading scripture and confessing their sins and worshiping their God. And this was all done under the gifted leadership of Ezra the priest. Following the physical labor, they were called, then called to enter into a closer relationship with one another and with their God. And all-day worship services, which included turning to the five Old Testament books of Moses, included, again, confessing their sins, worshiping through eating and drinking and celebrating, and always returning to the Word. So last week, in chapter 9, we read a prayer that provides attributes and character and names of God. The people were on their 24th day of the month of worship, And they were celebrating together who God is. And you can see some of the names and attributes up there. They were celebrating their and our great and gracious God. And we've seen tremendous strides in the spiritual growth of the people. But we also learned in chapter 9 last week that there is a cycle of obedience and disobedience. The people respond favorably to God and His promises, but then there's this slow fade into a life of rebellion and then continued patterns of sin. But God continues to pursue His people. God continues to pour out His mercy and His grace upon His people. And then we read the last verse of chapter 9, verse 38, which then leads into chapter 10. And that verse states, In view of all this, which is the cycle of humanity's depravity, but God calling his people back to them, in view of all this, we're making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. So this morning we read, continue reading, with uh, chapter 10 of Nehemiah. And there's a lot of names in this passage, and the congregation knows I know how to say the names confidently, so I'm just going to skip over them today. (laughs) But chapter 10, we begin at verse 1. Those who sealed it were Nehemiah the governor, the son of Hakaliah. And then we jump to the end of verse 8. And it, because it lists all the priests. And then verse 9, the Levites it lists. And verse 10, their associates. 
Verse 14, it lists the leaders of the people. And now we're in verse 28. We've listed in this scripture here 84 people who signed and sealed the agreement. And in verse 28, we read the rest of the people, priests and Levites and gatekeepers and musicians and temple servants and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and all their sons and daughters who are able to understand, all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, the servant of God, and to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our God. That's one, run, one long run-on sentence. Verse 30. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage. So the promises begin here in verse 30. We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or to take their daughters for our sons. When the neighboring peoples bring merchandise or grain to sell on the Sabbath, we'll not buy from them on the Sabbath or on any holy day. Every seventh year we'll forego working the land and we'll cancel all the debts. We assume the responsibility for carrying out the commands to give a third of a shekel each year for the service of the house of our God, for the bread set out on the table, for the regular grain offerings and burnt offerings, for the offerings on the Sabbaths at the new moon feast and at the appointed festival, for the holy offerings, for sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel and for all the duties of the house of our God. We, the priests, the Levites, and the people have cast lots to determine when each of our families is to bring to the house of our God at set times each year a contribution of wood to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. We also assume responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and of every fruit tree. As it is written in the law, we will bring the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle, of our herds and of our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests ministering there. Moreover, we'll bring to the storerooms of the house of our God, to the priests, the first of our ground meal, of our grain offerings, of the fruit of all our trees, and of our new wine and olive oil. And we will bring a tithe of our crops to the Levites, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all the towns where we work. A priest descended from Aaron is to accompany the Levites when they receive the tithes, and the Levites are to bring a tenth of the tithes up to the house of our God, to the storerooms of the treasury." The people of Israel, including the Levites, are to bring their contributions of grain, new wine, and olive oil to the storerooms, where the articles for the sanctuary and for the ministering priests, the gatekeepers, and the musicians are also kept. We will not neglect the house of our God. So what we have here, and what we see and read here in chapter 10 is people making an agreement. They're making an agreement in public, giving their word before God and his people. And doing this is powerful and meaningful. A wedding, for example, just as an example, is an important ceremony where two people come together and they say the words, I do. They say, I do to an agreement. The couple makes an agreement among themselves saying, I love you, I will continue to love you and care for you and challenge you until death separates us. A Christian wedding is a public ceremony where a couple says, I do to one another publicly before God's people. And they do this publicly before God. 
You see, God always desires what is best for His people. And He knows what is best for His people to include God in their lives. So a Christian wedding ceremony is necessary because of its public nature and because it is the agreement that includes several parties. The couple, the witnesses, and God. And our God wants to be honored and glorified. And this is done when it's done publicly and includes God in the agreement. So making an agreement in public and giving our word before God and before his people, as we said, is powerful. It's meaningful. And what we are talking about here is integrity. And I'm just going to explain briefly and simply that integrity is keeping your word. When it comes to God, we can clearly see how God functions in relationship to his word. Because when God speaks, he commits himself to accomplishing what he says. God says, let there be light. Light is created. God says, water and the oceans of the world appear. God also looks into the future and he says, I will send a savior, Jesus Christ. And God makes good on his promises. This is God keeping his word. God works in ways that he is supposed to work. He works with integrity. And this is integrity at its best. Now for God's people, we too work with integrity when we join our God in mission. In representing Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And we are called to keep our commitments in honoring God and advancing his kingdom purposes on earth. We are fulfilling, when we do this, we are fulfilling what we are designed to do. And we respond, I do, God. Integrity involves keeping our word to God and to one another. I do what I say I'm going to do. When I say, when, when I say I'm going to do it, in the manner that it's to be done. I do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it in the manner it was meant to be done. Again, we know that God has integrity because God always does what he says he will do and when he says he will do it. Now, much to our frustration, God doesn't do it immediately on our timetable. But God always accomplishes what he promises at his established time. So chapter 9 expresses the promises of God. And a God who is patient. A God who never gives up. It is about a God who initiates his promises and keeps his word. Chapter 9, last week, and we saw some of the words up there this week. Chapter 9 reflects a God of integrity. God of greatness, a God of grace. And he desires his people to respond in obedience to his integrity with our integrity to his will. So there's an excitement and a determination by the Jewish people to respond to God in obedience. They remembered that cycle of obedience and disobedience. So here they are committing. They're committing to God for all that he has done for his people. For all who God is to his people. And the people desire to make a response, a commitment to God. I do, God. So chapter 10 provides the response. 
Chapter 10 is the amen to the prayer that we read in chapter 9. It provides the I do. And it's not a response because our works and our obedience will save us. It is a response because God's amazing grace through His Son, Jesus Christ, saves us. And we need to believe in Jesus and have faith in Jesus. And that belief is evident in our response, in our good works. It is being obedient out of love for God and love for one another. It is keeping our word because God first kept his word. So the Jewish people make promises. And yet we know through scripture in our own lives that humanity is notorious for breaking promises. Often people are notorious for lacking integrity and breaking or falling short on commitments. So the Jewish people, what they do in this case, they put a seal on the document. They were serious. And this meant taking a solemn oath before one another and before God. So in chapter 10, we first see that Nehemiah himself signs and seals the agreement. And then next, we read that the priests seal it, and the Levites and their associates, and then the leaders of the people. In total, as mentioned, 84 people sign and seal this agreement. And then in verse 18, we read that the rest of the people, priests and Levites, or rather verse 28, we read the rest of the people, priests and Levites and gatekeepers and musicians and temple servants and all who separated themselves from the neighboring peoples for the sake of the law of God, together with their wives and their sons and their daughters who are able to understand, all these now join their fellow Israelites, the nobles, and bind themselves with a curse and an oath to follow the law of God given through Moses, a servant of God, to obey carefully all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord. This was a lot that they committed to. And in verse 30, as mentioned, we, we have the list of the certain promises. You see, what's happening here is the people have seen their need to have God in their life. They have seen their need to obey God, to obey His commandments. Life is better when we are obedient to God. And what is God's best for them? God's best for them is that the people are obedient because the people need to include God in all areas of their life. Not just in some areas. Not just to pick and choose the areas to include God. But all areas of life. And so there are certain specific agreements that are laid out for the benefit of the people. And they begin with making agreements that apply to their relationships with future spouses. You see, when your relationship to God is important, you will be careful who you interact with and who you marry. Because your relationship with people will have an impact, whether it be for good or for bad, on your relationship with God. And then they agree to the Sabbath commitments. And that it's important for Sabbath rest. And then they agree to how people conduct their business activities. And that applies to living lives lives of justice with respect to the land and with respect to debts. And they agree to offer first fruits, not last fruits, to the kingdom, God's kingdom work. And there are several verses that deal with how the people will share their possessions and their finances. Because when a relationship with God when a relationship with God is important. This will be reflected in what you do with your money. Scripture is clear that if your heart is right with God, you will respond with sharing your gifts with the body of Christ. 
people heard the word of the Lord. They went back. They kept going back to the word of the Lord. And they were convicted to respond in obedience to the word. Again, our salvation is not dependent on the promises that we make with God. Rather, our salvation is dependent on God's promises to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. The promises that we make are a response to God's promises. So in many areas of our life, we have the opportunity to live lives of integrity. As mentioned already earlier, a popular public agreement is done in marriages. And we have the opportunities to keep our word and include God in our agreements. We also make agreements when we ordain pastors or newly appointed office bearers. We're going to be doing that in a couple months. Church leaders make an agreement to God's people and to God. And all the believers respond. And this is done publicly before God and before His people. And in all cases... In all agreements, God initiates and His people respond. God initiates the call upon His people and we respond. God initiates His grace, we respond. God initiates His promises, we respond. We are given the opportunity to respond with integrity, keeping our word to God and to one another. Because God first and always keeps His word. Now, we see that with other agreements as well. Public baptism and public profession of faith. Now, you may view these two events as, uh, rather, you may view this as two independent events. But I view baptism and profession of faith as one event. Because baptism is where God makes an agreement, a promise. And we saw that with baptism this morning. First of all, God initiated a covenant with Layla. God said to Layla, I am your God. You are my child. I love you, Layla, even though you know nothing about this right now. I love you, Layla, even though you cannot possibly understand what is going on. And that's okay that she doesn't understand. And as much as we encourage... and and enjoy also adult and believer's baptism, you have to really appreciate infant baptism because it is a clear demonstration and expression of God's amazing grace. It is a clear demonstration of how God initiates His love, how God initiates His grace and His promises, and it is all based on what our God does. A baby doesn't have a clue. Talk about God's amazing grace. Witness to the sacrament of baptism. God has made an agreement with Layla. And I can ask Layla right now, Layla, do you understand? And is she still sleeping? She's still sleeping. She doesn't understand. Layla was baptized this morning on account of God's grace and his promises. Layla's side of the agreement has not officially been signed. But over time, Layla will understand what went on this morning, what all this means, and then she will be able to respond to God in a public profession of her faith. 
And that is why we encourage profession of faith publicly. Wouldn't you want to publicly complete the agreement that God made with you at your baptism? Don't you just kind of want to publicly seal the deal? This morning, too, we also heard other agreements. Aaron and Emily, you reaffirmed an agreement that God made with you at your baptism. God initiated an agreement with you, and he maintains his word with them. And they responded again, giving their word. They again profess their faith in their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They also promised to pass their faith on and their knowledge on to their daughter, Layla. And God reaffirmed an agreement with all of us through baptism as well. God maintains his word. He maintains his integrity with his people. We made an agreement today before God and his people. We gave our word that we will love God, that we'll love one another. And specifically, we will live that out through discipleship. Through faith formation with Layla, with all the children, with all youth and, and one another. You see, God has initiated a relationship with us, his people. We see that evident as we celebrate the sacrament of baptism. We see that evident as we read through God's word. Despite any circumstances that could be troubling us today, and there are likely many things going on in the lives of God's people, whether that be illness or loss of life or relational difficulties, God continues to have a relationship with us. And he continues to desire what is best for us, his people. God initiates his amazing grace to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So the question now is, how will you respond? In faith and obedience for what God has done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. What sort of promises are you going to make with God publicly? And are you going to allow other believers to hold you accountable? Because God desires to be in all areas of our lives. Not just on Sunday morning worship services. We're to include God in our homes, in our relationships, in our education, in our businesses, in our rest and Sabbath, in our offerings, in all areas of our life. We have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but that relationship is to be lived out in community and with the help of the community. So we shouldn't be afraid to encourage people, to hold one another accountable. And when we ourselves are receiving encouragement and accountability, we should do so knowing it's coming out of love and a desire to see God's best for his people. We are called to be people of integrity because we serve a God of integrity. A God who keeps his word despite our brokenness and our sinfulness. God has made promises to us. I'm your God, you're my people. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ. You see, we are recipients of his amazing grace. So commit your life to Jesus and follow him in all areas of your life. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you are faithful. You are a God of promises, a God of integrity who keeps his word. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for being our father. 
We thank you that you are our God and we are your people. And Lord, it is nothing that we can do to earn your grace and love. It is all who you are and what you have done. But through the power of your Holy Spirit, work in us to live lives of gratitude and thanksgiving. Work in us to respond in loving you and loving one another. Work in us to commit to our word and to be people of integrity in all areas of our life. As we learn more and more to be your follower and to live like you if you were to live our life. And if there are those who are here today who have not yet made a commitment to you, convict them, turn their hearts, turn the hearts of your people to you. Pour out your Holy Spirit to spur each of us on to obedience and towards your commands so that we can know what is important to you and that we can give you glory through our lives. Help us to seek your kingdom and your righteousness. Help us to follow you and walk alongside of others to follow you. Equip us and use us for your purposes here on earth. And may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.